0: Welcome to Pleasure Principles, a sex therapy podcast designed to educate, advocate and instigate conversations.
1: Pleasure Principles is brought to you by Sky Hill, providing sex and relationship therapy to individuals, couples and families in the Twin Cities. Welcome. Hey, we're
0: back. We're doing the thing.
1: We're doing the thing. Conversations
0: it's... are happening, coffee is flowing,
1: <laughs> and hot water. Hot and water, hot water. Too. and tea. I'm Jenny
2: and I'm Kelvin.
1: And we have a guest with us today. Will you introduce yourself, please, Kyle?
2: Yeah, I'm Dr. Kyle Zarenchek. I'm a couples and sex therapist in St. Louis Park.
1: Yay. St. Ooh. Louis Park is close to where Calvin and I also practice.
0: So really, it's like the the sharks and the jets right now. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. We're going to throw
1: down. <laughs> <laughs> not not really. Not really. We're excited to have Kyle here. We're going to ask him a few of our favorite questions today and then see... Where the conversation goes, because Kyle's got a lot of fun things to talk about. Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of go with that. We're
0: going to go with the flow. We're going to talk about things. And, and sing a little too. Yeah.
1: Calvin has a favorite question he likes to ask people, and I want to let him ask it. I don't want to steal it, because <laughs> oh, some okay. days I steal it from you.
0: Do. you. I, I'm okay with that, And though. I feel kind of you know, bad about I it. I can do that. Well, <laughs> welcome to our podcast. Who are you, and what is your therapist origin story?
2: If this the was therapist an, origin story. If this was yeah. a
0: Marvel movie, what would be the first movie?
2: Um, well, listeners to this podcast should know that I was forced to be here <laughs> against my will. So I at least wanted to say I that. have
1: a lot of power. She's got you know? a lot
2: of sway and influence. <laughs> and also you were bitten by a radioactive therapy spider. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm excited Mostly what's to come.
1: he's in chains. Everybody.
2: <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this from the ceiling of the room.
1: Yeah, we're ratcheting it up a that.
2: My therapist no. origin
0: story. When did this podcast turn into this?
1: <laughs> Today.
2: Dun, dun, dun. De-de-de. My therapist origin story happened at a time of tremendous transition. I grew up... Uh, pretty conservative, Christian, kind of close-minded, really judgmental, super repressed. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Where do I sign up? Yeah. And the crazy thing was, I mean, I was also a theater major. Love I it. I grew up in a blue-collar town and Which I— Which
1: state are you from?
2: In Michigan. Nice. Yeah, the Great Lakes State. Uh-huh.
1: The well, Wolverine you Wolverine know, State. I'm all about— The Wolverines. The Great
2: Lakes. Yeah. I was kind of a repressed little fucking gay boy. Can I swear on here? We're going to. You can now. Okay, fair. I broke the the seal. (laughs) You know, I just really, I really, really, really wanted to be straight. I thought that God was going to help me not be gay any, or like i didn't even label it as gay I just kind of sure. thought i was um i thought i just had a really strong envy of men like really fit men's body that's what i thought i was like i'm not gay this is who i am mm-hmm. it's just a thing that i have and you know i was dating women i had intimate long term committed relationships with women and then i moved away to graduate school and at graduate school i came out i Started, like, having fun, not constantly working all the time. I finally had time to think, and I felt overwhelmed. I felt overwhelmed, so I started doing my own therapy. So
1: smart. And, mm-hmm,
2: Very and smart. I needed it. And in that process, I started, like, figuring out more about who I was, and particularly for the first time in my entire life, I actually started enjoying having sex. Yay. Awesome. Prior to, I just kind of thought I was... Um, I just thought I wasn't a sexual being. I just thought other men like sex, and it's just not really for me, and I don't know what the deal is, and, you know, it's 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 fine, it's okay. But, like, there's other more important things, you know, it's really about intimacy. And, I mean, mm-hmm. of course, there's a, an yes, emotional yes. component to relationships, too. But for the first time, I was finally having sex. I was like, oh, that's what this is all about. <laughs>
1: I get it. I get
2: it now. I finally got the memo. I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. And I was joking around with a colleague of mine at the time because I was going to graduate school to be a communication professor. We were kind of joking around. And I've always kind of been a little raunchy in jokes, and he,
1: <laughs> we are a match already. <laughs> you belong here.
2: And he was joking with me, and he said, "You know, that'd be the perfect job for you just to be a sex therapist." And I told him, I. Kind of have always wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the person that people could talk to about the things that are the most private, most intimate to them. And I want yeah. people to be able to experience the same thing I got to experience is an erotic reawakening, mm-hmm. finding who they are as an erotic being and like letting that come out, letting that whole aspect of their life and their identity kind of come out. So mm-hmm. that led me to, to pursue a clinical degree and the rest is history. So now I'm a now I'm a couples therapist. That's
1: awesome. And, sex therapist, and sex therapist, too. And sex therapist, yes. You I are.
2: mean, when I say couples therapist, it's like I'm also a sex therapist. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's yes. not distinct, although it's distinct for many. It's not distinct for me. It's just, mm-hmm. it'd be like saying I'm a couples therapist. Oh, and I also work on emotional intimacy. Like, <laughs> right. it's yeah. part of it. Mm-hmm. it it's you know hard I mean? to separate the two. It's very hard to separate.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I am, was listening to you and thinking about all the other therapists we've interviewed, and it seems as if... There's a pretty common theme. I think we should write a research paper on this or something because it's kind of like yeah. we're getting some data here that says, one, we've kind of known, right? Like yeah. there's a story and people just kind of know that, yep, I I think I can do this work. There's something that draws me to doing mm-hmm. this work. And there's an absolute honor that every single person has talked about so far that says we're really honored to be able to hear the stories and be with people oh, yeah. on the journey that they're on because it is a I journey. I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's kind of, you can't put words to it. So mm-hmm. There's
0: also this other theme that I just want to like name, which <laughs> is, seems like so many people that work with sexuality studied theater at some point. I agree. <laughs> I was going to say that it too. It is yeah, probably. such a huge theme. I go to like s- sex ed conferences and mm-hmm. people are like, yeah, I was a theater major or like I studied, I went to a uh, performing arts high school. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's just, I, it's so interesting I you said that I was,
1: like, I was like, ding, yep. yeah, awesome. Like, yeah. It's really well, crazy. you got a lot
2: of passion inside yeah. you. You know, there are people with great passion. Yeah. That's true. I don't know many sex therapists who don't ha- also have strong passion. That's true. I think that's that's, you know?
1: that's Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to. Insights. Yeah. Like we're going to have to publish this. We're going to have to publish this <laughs> in more than just this arena. <laughs> Do you want to be asex certified?
0: You have to take X amount of credits in, in performing field. arts. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, It really happens. It really happens. All right. So, I like this. We have your origin story. When you think of, yeah, I want to do, you know, couples therapy or sex therapy, what are the things that you come across, you know, daily, weekly, whatever, just commonly that you say... We really don't get this in our culture about sexuality, right? Like what are some of those, we call them sometimes myths, misconceptions people have about the work you do or the so work the, they're going to do when they come into your office and your space?
2: The thing that jumps to my mind is as I've been seeing couples and individuals for so long, so long now. Well, so long. I mean, I've, I sound like I'm 50. No. What's I, wrong? As hey, I've been,
1: I may be 50. What yeah. do you mean? That's just yeah. fine. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. Yeah,
2: it's a mystery of my age. Yeah. Well. No, as I've been seeing couples for a long time, here's what I think is the most common thing. I call them the three truths. Okay. I call them the three truths. Is this a
1: coined term?
2: It's, it's going to be. All right. It's, the, it's officially now. It's a coined term. I okay. call it the three truths. It's the things that I think that when people don't know— causes problems, and it causes problems in a lot of different ways. The first truth is that sex is good. Sex is good. I I want all people to know that sex is good. It is a good thing. It's good for our culture. It's good for people. It's a good thing. Sex is good. Sex is not bad. Sex is not something that needs to be uh, controlled, and it will get out of control. It's It's inherently a vice. It's just we dip our toe in it. No, sex is a good thing. Sex is good. Second truth is that sex is good for you. Sex is good for you. So I want all people to know that sex is a good thing for them. They need to see themselves as erotic beings, them as an erotic vessel, that there's good things that happen for their body, for their spirit, for their relationship when they allow themselves to be sexual, to not say to themselves, I'm not an erotic being, this isn't who I am, but no, sex is good for me and it's okay to like it, it's okay to want, it. it's okay to need it. And then the final thing is that I am an erotic being. I am an erotic being. When I see people that struggle with identifying with the concept that they are erotic beings, they have a disjointed relationship with their own eroticism, they don't feel like they can own their own eroticism, or they feel bad about it. I mean, just recently I was working with somebody who felt absolutely horrible that when she was younger, she had sex with somebody whom she wasn't trying to date, like who she wasn't trying to make a long-term committed relationship. But the sex was safe, sane, and consensual. Everything was fine. Everything ended well. Everybody was okay. But she felt bad. She said, I shouldn't have done that, right? I I shouldn't have let my passions overtake me. But the reality is, is she is an erotic being, and that is okay. If she didn't want to act on it, that's okay too. But that she is an erotic being, and it's okay for an erotic being to be erotic. So when I see couples or individuals in my office... One of the things I'm assessing for the is the three truths. Do they see sex as good? Do they see sex as good for them? And do they see themselves an erotic being? And if they don't, that's usually related to one of the problems or gaps that they're experiencing in their life today.
1: That makes sense to me. Yeah, I like that a lot. Because culturally, I think sex is good for some people. People will say, oh, sex is, is good for some people. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. sex is dangerous. Sex is really for or, young
2: people. Okay. Or sex is really, yeah, right.
1: For somebody else. For somebody else. Even. Not just for me. So that's when you say it's good and it can be good for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that hits me so, like, makes me think of um, my good friend Joan Price, who's a aging sexuality educator. And she always asks people during her workshops or when she's just talking to people, because she just is this person, she'll be like, when do you want to stop having sex in your life?
2: It's mm-hmm. a very valid question.
0: Yeah. People don't like re- like the idea of retiring right. as a sexual being. No. Right. But then we like desexual, like we take the sexuality away from people who are in, you know, older bodies or whatever, which I think is so goofy. Right.
1: It is. It really is. And that's the other thing the question about, or one of your truths is sex is good for me. So Mm -hmm. I went right to, and I'm sure this is a part of my education, right, with that health psychology piece, which Mm -hmm. is, it is actually, you know, (laughs) I want to say when I think about sex is good for. Me, I think about not just like behaviors or mm-hmm. body parts because mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest myth I'm mm-hmm. continually debunking is that it is not just. Behaviors or body parts, mm-hmm. but so being more aware of my body in relation to my surroundings mm-hmm. is good for me, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a part of sexuality, right? Paying attention to what feels good or what doesn't, like spilling hot tea all over my body, that's right? That's valid, you know. So like that's this actually phallon. good to pay attention to and to know about, right? So, I mean, I think you can take that to, to be connected with
2: your senses, right? I get
1: that, or you can make it or you know, totally bigger, and so all your works for or me surroundings too. around it.
2: I get that.
0: Yeah. That, I like it. And this is hitting so something that I see so often, especially with cisgendered men that come into my office, is like that sex can only be this way. It has to be capital S sex, like this big yeah. scary event, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that like, a big part of what I work on with folks is just like good sex inherently is just adult playtime, mm-hmm. right? And that it can <laughs> yeah. be- That's-
2: Amazing! Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I,
0: this is not an original thought. I can't take credit for it, but it, it, I it, love it. It's, it's adult
2: playtime. It
0: so informs my work with folks is mm-hmm. to say like
2: it's entirely true.
0: You get like you can play by yourself. It's you just can so play crazy. With other people, the, sorry, mm-hmm. I was no, it's all good. You can play with toys. You can share toys. You know, yes, like, these are all good
2: things. Right? The, the fear of pleasure is is so concerning. It's the yeah. fear of pleasure. <laughs> yeah. If something makes me feel good. I must limit it or it could damage me, right? Mm-hmm. That l- leaving work early to do to not work on the house or to whatever, <laughs> but to just like chill and relax. It, it is seen like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Or just like a misuse of time. Yeah, a misuse of time. Or if I don't know, if things bring you sensual pleasure, it seems to be so like inherently seen as risky or bad or people that feel deeply connected with their pleasure and have a lot of fun and a lot of joy in their life would probably often be seen as silly or juvenile or not taking life seriously. Sure. You know, our purpose on this planet is to work, 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 and then, like, have a beer on Thanksgiving. Like, that's the that's the purpose of life. <laughs> it's very unfortunate. Yeah, I like a lot of what you're yeah. saying.
0: Well, yeah, I think it, the idea of, like, just not being able to have in mm-hmm. life. It's like we only have so many years, right. right?
1: So, again, what's a theme like for me is, so we have three sex therapists talking about how we see how sexuality is maybe even a symbol for like how we work with sexuality, how we treat our sexuality as symbolic for other pieces in our culture, right? So it's not like meaning. So sex is something that's either we can misuse, that is, you know, we categorize or we silo Mm -hmm. in certain ways and say, oh, this is, you know, this is just for these kind of people that Mm -hmm. do this stuff. Or if you do that, then you're, you know, this is how it's supposed to be done. We have pretty rigid ideas around Mm -hmm. sexuality and how damaging those can be Mm -hmm. or limiting, we'll Mm -hmm. say at the very least. Mm -hmm. That and... Again, the question is, where do we? How do we learn that? What do we end up? What are the yeah. ways that we have figured that out? Or that you know, people who come into our office say, "Well, this is, this is how I came to understand that. This is how I work with sexuality, mm-hmm. right?" In my own. Way of thinking.
0: You know, this is really hitting for me. This quote that I'm going to pull from Andrew WK, who is a musician and party enthusiast. (laughs) He was interviewed on the podcast "Guys We Fucked" last week, and he said something that was really insightful. And I've actually pulled up in therapy since then, which is they were asking him about sexuality. He's this musician. He's been a musician since like '99. He's been touring all over the place, and they were like, "Hey, you know, like, what is?" What do you, you know, do you have fetishes? Do you blah, 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 And he's just like, no. He's like, you know, I've had sex and I like it. Sex is like equally the most important and least important thing that you will do in your life. Hmm. He's like culturally mm-hmm. we've made it this huge thing. But then like also when you do it, it's like – doesn't have to be. And I mm-hmm. thought that that was so insightful from mm-hmm. this party
1: enthusiast mm-hmm. that – You wouldn't necessarily have expected that answer, meaning – No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm-hmm. wouldn't have. Well, I'm not familiar, so that's why I got to – But, uh, you know, I think that
0: this is something that we come across quite a bit in the office with folks.
1: All the time.
2: Yeah. I remember that. That's a really cool concept about it's the, both the most important and the least important. I, I can remember a story of a client I saw a long time ago. And one of the things we were doing is just trying to get her to experience her own pleasure, just essentially get her to start masturbating again, mm-hmm. right? And not deny that, especially because she has suffered from headaches and chronic stress. Like, this is a great, beautiful, natural way to just relax, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she came in. It was really funny. We had a good relationship. It was, she came in the next time. She's like, well, I tried the homework. And I think I set it up a little bit too much. I mean, I got, I drew a bath and I lit candles and I set music and all that. And she's like, I think I just, like, stressed myself out <laughs> over the importance of it. Well, I mean, if that's your thing, right. like, that's yeah. great. But also, like, it does show just that inherent – Mm -hmm. kind of belief that it's a very, very big deal always at all times and needs to be treated as like this super sacred, amazing experience. And if it falls flat than that, then there's some failure.
1: Right, because we built it up so much.
2: Because we built it up so much. Capital S, sex, the big scary. Yeah.
1: Well, it's that other piece, and I'm quite sure there's relationship literature on there, and I'm going to ask that you give me some plus or minus like Ten percentage points with these stats here, but then but margin of error. Yeah,
2: margin that of it's error.
1: like if you're enjoying sexuality in your relationship and it's going well, you only attribute twenty five percent of your total relationship satisfaction yes, to, to that sex. good sex, and if it's in a problem in your relationship, you attribute mm-hmm. about 75% of why your relationship is not going well to the sex, mm-hmm. the bad sex or the sex you're not having mm-hmm. or the troubles. So then you say, Oh, you know, our relationship again, that idea of kind of we it's so important or it's so not important That's just amazing. because it's a non-thing. Right. So our perception of our experience in relationship really is framed by this way we perceive sexuality, whether yeah. a huge thing or not such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I want to completely have an awkward segue into something because if people are enjoying hearing Kyle speak, I know he's actually going to be one of the, you're leading a workshop, we're going to name it. And I'd like you to say some details, if you will, about where people can find you if they're therapists and enjoying listening to you
2: and would like to hear more. So I'm running two workshops here in the near future. One is in May (laughs) and one is in November. The one is in... May, May 18th is going mm-hmm. to be here in Minnetonka. It's it's aimed at clinicians. It's just called Sex Therapy Step by Step, Conceptualizing, Assessing, and Treating. And I'm doing that same training at the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapy Conference in November in Louisville. Woo! That's yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So if you're interested and you're enjoying just hearing a little bit more of Kyle's backstory and also like hearing what he has to say. Those are two other opportunities for you. It's 2018. So we're kind of dating ourselves here, but making sure you know where you can hear more from Kyle. Kyle's also been working on... One of your passions is also training therapists, right? Mm-hmm. Like saying, hey, you know what? This Working with sexuality doesn't have to be so crazy. You no. all can do this work. Have belief in yourselves. And one of the ways that you're working on doing that is to is putting a model together. Yeah. Which for,
0: is the coolest thing. It's super cool. That's so rad.
1: We'd love to hear a little bit about it. You give you. us a sneak peek, a little preview, because I know you're kind of rolling the, out this, this,
2: this model here. And yeah. we'd like to hear about it. Yeah, so yeah, exactly like what you said the average clinician is in a beautiful place to make amazing change when it comes to people's sex and eroticism mm-hmm. the problem is and the research backs this up is that when it comes to topics regarding sex the average clinician though very well intended gets intimidated mm-hmm. and they don't quite know how to talk about it they they feel underqualified and that is partly because of a gap in our field we mm-hmm. we we basically train clinicians on how to handle a lot of different problems. But when it comes to sex, it kind of seems to be a little bit more about a a hodgepodge of articles or interventions. So what I found is that there's this natural flow, I call it natural flow that exists in a neurotic being and in a neurotic couple that we can essentially hack into to aid individuals and couples in increasing their erotic satisfaction and feeling more erotically and sexually fulfilled. It's called the couple's erotic flow. Nice. So this is a model I use for both my both the people that I work with mm-hmm. as well as the clinicians that I train. It's called the couple's erotic flow. All right. I'll explain to you a little bit about the backstory if we have time.
1: We do. Go we for do. it.
2: Okay. If you think about how humans have developed as an erotic being, First they come out of the womb and they form their attachments that early relationship that they have with the parents and caregivers who am I in relationship to the world are are relationships safe do they feel good do they feel stable mm-hmm. right the next and that happens from the moment of birth fast forward a few years later when the ch- child is 2 or 3 they start discovering that their body feels good when they touch it in a certain way right mm-hmm. little kids as early as 2 years old start masturbating it's not even necessarily a sexual thing it's just a stress relief it's- it's
1: just what feels good, it's right? It's just
2: what feels good, and that's what their body does. And, the, and then as that continues, they realize that when they think certain thought, you know, as they do, as they grow up a little bit, when they think certain thoughts, when they see certain people or whatever, their body responds differently when they see their brother or their, you know, mom or something like that. There's something different about this, you know, this the kid in the classroom or whatever as they grow up. Third, usually at around the age of 10 – Um, at least in this country, usually around the age of 10, is when a child starts the very first process of some sort of dating. I mean, 10 years old dating, so nothing too serious as we'd call it. But it's still dating. It's just Mm -hmm. like the learning how to talk in a dating way and how to flirt and how to hold hands and like just the little bit of like the writing of the notes. It's like the first entry level into a relationship. Fast forward until the uh, fast forward till they're between the ages of 16 and 17, um, is when they experience their first sex, their first time giving and receiving pleasure to another being. And then finally, f- at around the age of 18, this is what research would say. 18 is their first, serious relationship, their first serious relationship, where they're seeing the relationship as something of emotional and sexual and and some maybe even to some spiritual importance to them. So the person develops from this, I'm born into the world where I'm just seeing, like I'm just learning who I am as a relational creature. Then I'm starting to notice my body becoming alive. Then I'm starting to do that Uh, like, dating play with other people, then uh, my body is alive with another being, like, during first sex, and then finally I'm, like, wrapping it all together into a relationship of importance. We can also look at how a couple develops, typically. I mean, there's, there's exceptions, but for the most part, this is how it typically develops. First, you meet for the first time, and you initially size up, is this person safe? Do I have any, like, connection, any interest with this person at all? Are they even jiving with me? So, essentially, I'm forming my first attachment. Mm -hmm. Secondly, after I get that general, like, is this person safe with me, I start having thoughts inside of my head. I wonder what this person, you know, does, like, uh, what, uh, what a relationship with that person might look like. I wonder what this person looks like naked. I wonder if this person's a good kid. So I'm starting to become aroused, right? After that, I start engaging in that, um, in that flirting, in the building of the erotic tension. I exchange messages with that, this person, either in, in, either in person at the bar or on a text or whatever it is, where I start actually flirting, letting the other person know that I have actual interest. At some point, we date, and, and then we have our first sexual experience. This all could be on the same day, or this could be over the course of weeks or months. And then after that is when I have a real look at myself And at the other person to say, what are we going to make of this relationship? Are we actually going to make something of significance or is this kind of a short term thing or what are we doing here? Does this really make sense for us? That's typically how a relationship, at least today, how it develops now. So if I know that the human being develops from this early uh, attachment all the way to the point of relational importance in big decision making. And if I know that that's how the couple develops too, from a first initial meeting all the way up to what are we doing here? Like what importance do we make? There is a natural flow that is that natural flow that exists in all people when they're trying to be an erotic being that exists in all people. It's the couple's erotic flow. It's how you flow as an erotic being the first stage is I call courting. It's just making sure that you guys have a good relationship with each other. You feel safe, you're talking, you're hitting those basic, the fundamentals. Do you like each other? Do you have fun with each other? Can you talk to each other? Can you have good conflict? Like, are are you guys good and solid and feel safe with each other? And then the next stage is arousal, that each person has to start connecting back in their own erotic energy. They got to feel themselves being turned on. They got to know what it's like to stoke their own fire because if they don't stoke their own fire, what are they going to bring to the next phase, which, which is the seduction? It's the play. It's the flirting. It's the glances. It's the messages. It's the signaling to the other person that you have erotic interest, building that erotic tension for the next phase, which is sex, the giving and the receiving of pleasure to the other person having that adult play time like you were saying totally and then finally, it's the afterplay. The afterplay is where we make real meaning out of what we're doing in our journey. It's the afterplay in the, in the bedroom after sex where you um, you hold each other, you kiss each other, you take care of each other, you bring each other a warm towel, you bring each other coffee, you snuggle up with your partner, you cuddle. So you, you honor the experience that you guys are making together as well as the longer-term vision. Where are we going as an erotic couple? Where are we going on this erotic journey? What's next? What's next? in this fun time. So that what I'm essentially looking for is can a couple flow easily. Can they go from having a good conversation in the car on the way home all the way up to cuddling and holding each other after sex? Can they do that, right? If they feel really solid about their relationship, and both people can allow themselves to be turned on, look at the other person as an erotic being, feel excited towards sex, but then when it actually comes to naming it, calling it out, talking about it, Flirting, that's when they get tripped up. I say, oh, okay, that's that third phase. That's the sed- that's the seduction phase. It's the, I'm not able to engage in that play. So we focus on the seduction there because there's a hang up there. There's something that's mm-hmm. getting in the way of their natural flow. Just getting people to be able to flow together as an erotic being. That's the, that's the work that I do with couples. And then I essentially train clinicians on how to understand eroticism as this flow and how to pinpoint obstacles that are getting in the couple's or in, in the individual's way and how to help them through that so that they can flow by themselves, go on their own journey, actualize their own eroticism, their own fantasy in their own unique way.
1: I love it. No kidding. Sounds awesome. Thank Sounds you. really fun. I Amazing. like the idea about flow. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people come in saying, "Okay, where? Like, what are the steps? Right? Like, just give me the steps. Yeah. What do I know, do? Like, how do I get my and penis there's up? A fair amount of, <laughs> we'll say, rigidity around that. Just because that's a fun word, especially when you're saying how do you? At any rate, so how? And then what you're saying is, guess what? It isn't just like there's one, two, three. I mean, yes, there are stages, yeah, and yeah, you're going to yeah. kind of go in and yeah, out of course. them, and. But
2: we're flowing. We're just flowing together. Right? We're just flowing together. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I think it really
0: names the things we take for granted mm-hmm. I think in just interpersonal relationships in general mm-hmm. and just names like this is what's happening here here yeah. are some things to consider and
2: well it also helps people when they go yeah. well I, I turned toward my wife and I said do you want to go upstairs and have sex and she turned me down what the hell here I'm trying I go okay well you know you guys were literally fighting with each other all day, and mm-hmm. you didn't even resolve it. You were trying to resolve it in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. That sex is the fourth step. That's the fourth phase here. We got to make sure that you feel good in your couple first before right. both of you can get yourselves turned on. You're, you're, dis- you're not flowing. You're not flowing in that natural pattern. But if you just flow in that natural pattern, things tend to pick up really well, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's that's like I said, that's beautiful. I think that's <laughs> really
1: great. <laughs> I'm excited. So I hope you write uh, put that into a book. I will. A little manual so that we can it. flip through that and people can use that as a resource I'm and you see what's good. God, I'm glad to hear that. It's Thank a long journey, but mm-hmm. you can do it.
0: And for anyone who's listening, you know, before the trainings happen, what were the dates for your trainings again? May
2: 18th and May 18th. November 15th.
0: Okay. How can people register for these classes? Is there a so website? Those or? would
2: be for clinicians. Yeah. So if they go to Couples Erotic Flow, okay. I just got a website. It I points love it right to just how to <laughs> register for the training. I love it. That would be for the one in May. And for the one in November, that's through the AAMFT annual conference. So you'll have to attend the annual conference and I'm running an all-day training and on the very first day of the conference. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: That's so great.
1: I love it. Other ways, uh, other points of contact? People write into our website at info at skyhilltherapy.com. Lovely. And they can always ask questions. Kyle, we'll get you connected with him. Are there other, other yeah. ways people can contact so you? So if
2: people wanted to do clinical work with me, because so, I do have people that come, you know, mostly from Minnesota, but I definitely have people from all over the country come in and do work with me. And they'll mm-hmm. res- reserve me for a weekend, and we'll just do a lot of work on their a long sex weekend. Life. Yep. Just a long weekend. You know, I just did one this last weekend, and it went great. I'm doing this one this next weekend too. It was a lot of fun. They can, I suppose, probably just the easiest way to do it is just to email me directly. Yeah,
1: go for it. What is Z-R-E-N-C,
2: it? Z R E N C, Z R E N C, zero zero one at umn.edu.
1: I love it. You gotta reserve those emails, right? I you gotta know. <laughs> you gotta hang on I to know. those ones from <laughs> college
2: Yeah, geez. I'm working on building up a website I'm working on. It. I just haven't gotten to it. Hey,
1: yet. you got and you know what? You're extremely busy, busy doing the work with people and creating yeah. these things. It takes a lot of time and takes energy. It takes a lot of time. And passion. Especially if
2: you're trying to do it right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You don't wanna rush through it. No, it's you too don't important.
1: No, it is way too important. And mm. we absolutely hear your passion for the work you do and we're so glad to have you here. And w-
0: we will put all of that in the website and then also your email in, in the show notes so people can just like oh, look at it
2: too. Cool. So.
1: Perfect. Thank That's you awesome. for being here, Kyle. It's been awesome to have you as a guest. Hopefully we'll have you later on. Come back and tell us more about the rest of your journey with creating the couple's erotic flow. Couples where I flow. Nice, I did it. Awesome. I, yeah,
0: I feel like we could have talked for, what, four hours <laughs> yeah, or something like that? Yeah, for a bit so. longer.
1: We'll have you back, all right? As long as you're willing to come come talk to us a little more. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure Principles is brought to you by Sky Hill, providing sex and relationship therapy to couples, individuals, and families in the Twin Cities. Thanks. See you Bye. later, guys.